Welcome to the Heart Rate Variability Podcast. In this podcast, we discuss the exciting science behind HRV and how you can apply it to your own health and the work that you do. Just a note, this podcast does not replace medical advice, and if you're going to apply this to your own life or others, please consult with a medical provider. Thank you and enjoy the show. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the fifth episode in our Heart Rate Variability podcast series. Jeff Summers here, joined by my colleague and co-founder of Optimal HRV, Matt Bennett. Hey, Jeff. Matt, how are you? Doing good today. Excited to talk about groups. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We are going to focus today's episode on, on HRV and how it uh, pertains to the health and wellness of, of groups and how we can... Uh, sort of relate population norms, not only to individuals, but um, individuals within groups, especially from an organizational standpoint. So we talked a lot last week about states, traits, how HRV helps to sort of monitor that. We brought in the whole concept of measuring yourself against the population norm and what that means. Uh, but there's a whole other opportunity here that most people really haven't focused on in the HRV world of bringing this concept to a group level. So it's something that you... Um, dive into in the book, Matt, and I think it's, it's definitely worth dedicating uh, an episode to. Awesome. I'm excited. So um, I'm going to just share my screen right off the bat. Again, for those just listening, I will do my best uh, to, to verbalize this as well. So um, basically, if you're just listening to us, uh, we've got scores here from the latest, the previous, Again, last week, last month, and all time. So we got those averages there as well. You would also see if you're looking at this, a list of participants with positive HRV trend and participants with a negative one. So we got a list of names and their latest readings in a green or a red, depending on if they're doing well or if they're not doing so well. So Jeff, this is when, when I came to you to see what your thoughts were about uh, uh, doing this project. This screen right here is what I really saw that was missing in all the HRV apps that I was trying to figure out how to bring into organizations I worked with. So where I saw the real benefit to this, again, is with my background as a therapist, you know, we, we see people once a week, once every other week, uh, that's kind of the model that we're in. The typical is once a week, even though sometimes it might be twice a week if there's severity there. But, you know, one of the things that I really struggle with is how are people doing when I'm not sitting across from them? If I just get one hour out of the entire week and this person might be at risk for relapse, this person might be... Um, at uh, you know, risk for suicide or self-harm or violence. Um, how do I know when to reach out and help them? And so this was one of the real emphases behind us creating this app. Again, wasn't out there when we needed it. And one of the things that I really wanted to take a look at was how do we know when somebody's struggling? And so, you know, as we talk about a lot in the book is, Usually a, a one-day negative trend, depending on the person, probably not something to get too concerned about. Again, we always say for the helper, the, the person in the, the, the clinician, 
you know the person. This just gives you additional data. So if you're really, really worried about somebody and sees you see a 40% drop um, from one day to the next, you might want to reach out. But usually what we see in the literature is about two to three days of that significant drop is really where we need to start to worry. So this, if you think about yourself and you put yourself in the position of a clinician, this really gives you, you know, what we call in our field, Jeff, kind of your caseload. Um, you can log in every day as part of your kind of routine, whether that's a, in the morning or at lunch, and see how your folks are doing that day. Um, again, most, most folks, most days, you probably don't have a lot to focus on. But, you know, as you, if you're looking at us on YouTube here, uh, you'll see John here is really struggling today. So, you know, you can click in and look more in, and, and this is all kind of part of our uh, app here. You can kind of see his last several readings. So you can then go into more depth around what John's struggling with, get more information, and really determine, okay, do I need to reach out to John today? You also obviously see the people that are doing good as well. So, so this from a clinical point of view, really gives you a check-in every other time. Now, the other thing that this really does as well, and we talked about this last time too, is that it helps us track our outcomes. It helps us really track how well this person's doing um, with the intervention, with the treatment that we are providing. So again, we should be able to track growth over time with this. So this screenshot right here, Jeff, is... Uh, to me, uh, what I'm really excited about with what we've done with Optimal HRV is now in a, a way that complies with HIPAA and confidentiality standards, you know, you get a snapshot of your caseload, which then quickly allows you to drill, drill, drill down around uh, specific clients uh, from that point. So um, again, this just gives you a way to track it. If that group maybe is in residential together, um, I think we'll talk more about this from the, the management perspective. You know, there might be some benefit in tracking groups over time. Usually there's people graduating from your caseload, coming into your caseload. So some of the group averages might not be as important from the clinical perspective. Um, but again, if you've got a group of people, let's say maybe you've got this on students uh, in a classroom together, it, it could help give you some information of how the class is doing today. Um, with that. I know, again, we'll, we'll talk a little bit more about that as we go forward, but to me, this is where the real, hopefully, uh, life-saving part of this is that if we see somebody having a three-day crash, hey, let me make a phone call, and everybody that has done, you know, counseling, clinical work, in the helping professions knows that relational support is, is so, so critical and important, especially if somebody's uh, really struggling. Yeah, I mean, and that's part of what got me so excited about, you know, what you proposed was obviously the ability to save lives. Um, and I think the interesting thing too, and you can, you can talk a lot more about this than I can, not being in your world, but, you know, you sort of have this idea of preventative care, right? Having this dashboard that shows you when the decline in HRV is trending and, and you need to be proactive about, you know, what you do. But then to me, there's also the sort of day of, right? Yeah. And so there's, you've got the unplanned interventions that can come into play as a result of having your group tracked on, on optimal HRV or any HRV tool. Um, but then day of, you've got this, this care plan, this treatment plan, you know, 
apologies if I'm not using the proper, oh, no, uh, actually proper good term. Um, but so historically, you've had no way to vary that. And, mm -hmm. and often, I'm sure you've come into situations where it didn't work the way you had envisioned going into it. And you yeah. really had no way to know that they just weren't in a place where they were going to be productive with the session you had planned for them. I would assume that this is a tool that would help you sort of, you know, call an audible for, for those football fans for the, uh, uh, which I know Matt is not one of, but, <laughs> um, you know, for, for that treatment plan for the day based on, yeah. you know, how they're doing. If they're not ready for what you're proposing, you need to be able to pivot quickly. Otherwise, you're going to have a disaster on your hands. Absolutely. And, and we, you know, there's a lot of research and touch on it now. Maybe we can, in a future episode, go more into depth of it. But you're absolutely right, Jeff. There is a really exciting piece of this that connects HRV to social health. You know, if you hear me talk about it, I'm, I'm usually saying it's a measure of mental, medical, social, and cognitive health. To, to me, the other thing that got me really excited about this when I was, uh, doing the podcast on my other podcast when I first got introduced to this is we can predict the level that somebody is able to socially engage with us based on HRV score. And so for a clinician, if you come in and um, I see your HRV scores below the norm, then I, I'm going to maybe do some mindfulness stuff. I'm not going to push, maybe we were set to do some trauma therapy where we might do some really difficult work if your HRV has crashed. My, I'm not going to start off there at least. I'm going to do maybe some relational support stuff. Uh, again, mindfulness stuff. Um, you know, if they're telling me that they're depressed, I, I might. This sounds weird for a lot of therapists, but hey, maybe do some jumping jacks. Get some sympathetic arousal to give some energy going. So, so again, and this, this talks a little bit about more pre-session readings can give you a really good job. Now, now the other thing that you're talking about, I'm gonna uh, share the screen here again for those uh, that, that are viewing us is, let's again, we'll, we'll go into John here. And so for example, we see John, and, and we just have a few readings in here for an example, but you know, his all times 30, uh, 37. I know his morning reading today was 24. His previous reading, which again, I can get more information if I drill in, was also 24. So he's struggling a little bit this week, not significantly, but there's a struggle going on this week. He's sort of had a bad month. If you look at that as a 26 compared to the 37 and the last few days have been well below his average as well. So, so now I know, okay, I, I got to have kind of an HRV informed discussion with John. Uh, what's been going on? How, what can we do from a self care uh, perspective to get this back on? Is he feeling more anxious or depressed? So maybe if I'm starting to look at these numbers over an extended period of time, maybe now is when a medication conversation might to see a psychiatrist to just do a different level of examination, um, especially if we're seeing uh, a major depressive episode that this might do. Again, we're going to take a lot of other clinical information before making those referrals. But this is somebody who's struggling right now. And so that would definitely inform, you know, my conversation with John is I'm probably not going to dig deeper at new stuff. I'm going to really probably brainstorm how do we get his recovery 
back into a good place. So you're, you're absolutely right. We, we get some really nice information here to really develop care as well. You know, the other thing I'm really interested in, and, and this is a little trickier because, you know, as a therapist, I might get once a week, but I really see this, Jeff, as, you know, when you look at like medicine, like this, this is a vital to show, okay, here's where the treatment happened, tracking that over time. So, you know, you can even think about a medical doctor pulls this up and looks at like the HRV scores since the last time they've seen the patient. Uh, Maybe they started medication three weeks ago, gives you a lot better information than just a one-off blood pressure weight. Uh, They still measure my height, even though they have to take the (laughs) thing out of the like, like poor, poor person trying to measure me. Yeah, like, you got to hold it up yourself. Let me help you with that. Let's just, let's just say six, seven, even though I've always, I think been six, six, I just like rounded up, but uh, yeah. Yeah. So, you know, it gives you a lot of great information. Again, it, it is one more data point uh, that can inform your decision-making as a, uh, again, if you're in the healing and helping professions. No, that's great. And, and, I, and I think we did a really good job of sort of covering the value for the, the group. If you yeah. are responsible for a certain set of clients or patients yeah. or, you know, employees or, or whatever it is, but there is sort of that next level of value when you think about group construct to yes. an entire organization. Right. And, and so as a, as a clinician, caregiver, manager, fill in the blank. You want to know how all the people that you're responsible for are doing so that you can use that dashboard as a way to reach out, provide, you know, preventative um, and and reactive uh, care interventions, meetings, whatever world you happen to live in. Right. But what if you're an executive? Um, You know, you've got, you're responsible for a lot of people. You don't have the day-to-day interaction with a lot of them but you're still ultimately responsible for the care they're being given or their experience as an employee or whatever it is. And I mean, you've been an executive at nonprofit Mm -hmm. organizations before you've been responsible for staff and clients and everybody that, that anybody who came through the doors of your facility ultimately rolled up to you. So how do you take it to the next level? This is where it's really exciting. Um, You know, I'm going to share my screen again, a little bit of a different view this time for folks. And this is the uh, organizational dashboard, as we call it. And um, again, don't don't worry if you're watching this, you know, uh, about the the titles here. So if you're listening to us again, we've got latest, previous, last week, last month, all-time averages there. And then we have different groups. So just like we have for the clinician, you have a dashboard of your clients. As an executive, now you have wellness of certain groups. Um, so in this thing, you can see basically these scores, these averages, the last week, last month, all-time averages, is how well are we doing as an organization? Um, think about that if you're a manager or supervisor. Uh, when have you ever been able to really quantify that, at least on a regular basis? Again, we might have employee satisfaction, safety surveys, yeah, that's even, the difference, right? How do you yeah. how do you how do you have raw data to support it as opposed to sending out surveys or relying on people to be honest with their well, even the organizations wellness. that buy into the surveys, and I'm not against surveys at all. I, I actually no. would, would say do them. 
are you going to do them more than every six months? Because they take a lot of time to do, right? So, so about, you know, you talk about what can happen in a week in the life of a, a therapy client. There's a lot that can happen within an organization. So the really cool thing about this is now as an executive, again, as part of my morning routine, if we got it and we can, we, we can kind of talk about some of the challenges that may exist here. And I, I want to just put those up front. But let's just, for the hypothetical here, Jeff, say, you know, everybody's taking morning readings on a regular basis within this organization. So, for example, I see my case managers have uh, gone down a little bit in average. So, you know, the other thing you can do is I can drill down a little bit. I'm, I'm just going to use a different group here because there's more people in it. And again, it's the same screen we basically saw for the clients. Now I can see where individual staff are trending in a positive or negative direction as well. So, so all of a sudden, I can see how the group health changes over time too. So, so it gives you this level of information, whereas you know, for a lot of people, clinicians, maybe the group scores aren't that important. How well is my team doing today? Um, how are they trending this month over time? And, and this is where you can get some really good information, especially let's say, let's say a client, you know, and this happens in our world, brings a gun in and threatens people. Uh, obviously that could be a borderline, if not a traumatic situation for a lot of folks within the organization. Um, we have most organizations would offer a great deal of support to those individuals. How effective is that support getting folks back down to base or back up to baseline? So in other words, something happened that impacted their uh, mental, cognitive, social health, traumatic event, or for most people, at least a highly stressful, borderline traumatic event. How well is the organization supporting that team in their recovery process which can be tricky because those people still probably have to come to work because you got to keep your program open how well have they recovered and then what are things that can do to get them back up to baseline because as long as they're running below their baseline jeff we know they're not going to be as effective not going to be as productive at their work now we shouldn't expect them to right off the bat if they thought their life was in danger the day before but what can we do to support them getting back maybe using our employee assistance program support you know, how can we track this improvement over time? So, so now we can start to structure this. And, and to me, what's a really exciting way is that depending wherever you're at in the organization, but let's say you're on the executive team of an organization, you know, I log in and I see the health of my executive team, but also other teams around the organization. How are my groups doing against the organizational average? How's the accounting department doing against the organizational average? You know, how are the case managers? How's that department that had that traumatic experience doing? So we can start to then build on this. And again, just like if I'm working with a client, I do an intervention. I want to see HRV improve over time going forward. It shows that my intervention is having a positive effect. Same thing for managers, um, especially in high stress occupations. And if we're honest, most occupations are fairly high stress nowadays. You know, how do we know that our organizational wellness initiatives are working and that we're getting a, a, a return on our investment? Uh, you know, so you can really start to measure these things and measure team health in, in a way that I've, I've never seen before. Um, you, you know, and that, that to me is the really exciting thing about this, especially 
you know, work, working with healthcare, education, criminal justice. I mean, those systems are just devastated by burnout. Um, hopefully right. we can quantify this and start to change those trends. Yep. No, and, and it's, that's very cool. And if you relate it to sort of the, the private world, enterprise world, I mean, there's still a ton of value. Uh, it might not be of the same impact, you know, you might not be quote unquote saving lives, but you know, the idea of, of productivity levels being well known to be higher when, when folks have a better HRV score and yeah. you know, burnout happening, turnover, you know, I work in a lot of, a lot of industries where turnover is a huge issue and it's incredibly yeah. expensive to yeah. recruit and hire and train and, you know, you're getting 40, 50. I mean, we've got some, some clients who have a hundred percent turnover uh, within their organizations and you know, within a, a six month period of time, they're, they're, they're spending more to replace people than they are actually paying the ones that are there. Yeah. So having a tool like this to figure out, it's one thing to say we want to change it and it's another thing to implement programs to change it, but then it's a whole nother level of being able to quantify the impact of that and That's predict and, and all of those kinds of things. And so from an organizational standpoint, this is an incredibly powerful metric that I don't think many people have considered. It's been very much a, an individual focused, often fitness for fitness, um, which is great. And there's huge value and very powerful, uh, but this takes it up multiple levels from a, you know, a good goodness for the whole, if that makes sense. Oh, absolutely. And again, you know, the, the nice thing is the elite athletes are, are leading the way, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll learn there, there's a lot of HRV monitors on folks in professional sports right now, whether they're in bubbles or not, you know, <laughs> and, and, and it's basically trying to track COVID more than anything else, uh, which is, you know, if you're looking for a reason, should I do HRV now or later? Well, with COVID, you, you know, again, a three-day drop in scores is probably showing you especially if you can't predict any other reason why it's happening this person probably really needs to get tested um yep. and Stay i know inside. Testing, yep testing is still an issue in our our great united states of america but you know again we we could track this uh you know i, I find it interesting jeff is that we we make the investment to put lebron james and uh you know, all the, you know, basketball NFL players. Athletes. We were talking about NBA before. They're on heart rate variability monitors. What, what about those kids going back to school? What, what about those teachers? What about the, the health nurses? Well, what yeah, are their yeah. early warning signs? And we're able to do that and do it for pennies a day. And, right. you know, so, so this, this is really timely now, too, that if we can – get this and i know in money for innovation and other things is limited right now but you know if we can if we can be another early warning sign that we may see and again everything's so new with covid that i gotta use the word may in front of all of this but you know it seems highly likely that six months from now we will have good solid proof that a two to three day significant drop in hrv scores is predictive um, of uh, COVID. Now, it also might be predictive of burnout and a lot of other things. That's a tricky uh, thing. Absolutely. But go get a test, right? Yeah, and well, it, and to your point, if you, if, you, if you can't think of anything else in your life that would be causing it, yeah, go get a test. Stay, stay inside. You know, exactly. it's, a, it's a potential symptom before a cough or, you know, other uh, COVID, 
you know, lack of smell, you know, those things. Uh, Especially meet, for folks who are asymptomatic. Yeah, yeah, asymptomatic folks have drops in heart rate variability. So, so you know, that there's, there's a lot of, because illness is a stress as well as a deadline at work. So, again, it's not going to tell you exactly what stress it is, but again, it gives you that uh, kind of early warning sign, which can, you know, again, be life saving in the time of a pandemic. That's right. So I think the last concept we sort of teased earlier that we haven't talked about that we brought up last session was this whole idea of population norms. Yeah. And you know, we talked last week how they pertain to the individual and how it's important, but there's big standard deviations and, you know, your, your personal baseline is probably a better better metric, but the population norms are good to keep in mind. I think from a group perspective, the population norm becomes much more meaningful. Yes. Yeah. This is where I think the population norms are incredibly insightful, especially from that management perspective. Again, I wouldn't, I'd encourage clinicians not to get too lost in it. I encourage individuals not to get too lost in it. Uh, Again, for the math nerds out there, which I I wouldn't call myself one, but I I know what a standard deviation is in the population norm. There's big standard deviations. However, here's Jeff where I I think that it really can can be uh, powerful is when you start to see your group average. So let's say you have a team, uh, you've got a division, you've got a department. How are they doing? And you got to do a little bit of math here, but our ne- the next version of the, the app, which should be out in a few weeks, uh, we're in late August now, um, you know, we'll, we'll have this worked in. But, you know, you start to look at a group versus the population norm average for that group. So that's where the little bit of math comes in because you got to know gender, age, to get the, the average for the team um, as well. So, you know, if, if the average, for the example I've had up, if the average is, let's say, 38, uh, I'll just throw this back up here really quick for those watching us on YouTube. If, if you've got a, the, let's say their uh, average is uh, population norms, 38, this group's a 31, the, their last week, you know, down here, we're seeing these lower scores. Uh, this group is not doing very well. There's something that this group now you can say, okay, the 31 without the reference of the population norms just gives you the baseline for that group. Now bringing in the average population norms really allows you to say, okay, what is the overall health of this group compared to where they should be at? Uh, you know, so it gives you a metrics to say, you know, how, how are they doing? And then again, if they're a little bit below, like one or two above, one or two above, again, that's where the genetics, all that stuff still, depending on the number of people in the group. I mean, the larger the number, the more they should average out to the population norm. But you know, th- those things probably not much to worry about a point here or there. Um, but boy, when you're getting down, you know, 10, 10 points lower, 20%, 30% lower, you've got a team that's really struggling. You're probably, you know, you probably got higher turnover in that group because you got a lot of people burned out. Probably not getting the level of productivity of social engagement, which is part of most businesses is important, whether that's with their team or customers. That's going to be going problem solving, emotional regulation, all those things that are so critical to business success, not going to be there. If you're in the helping professions, obviously social engagement, cognitive problem solving, uh, mental, emotional health, all those things are so crucial 
and, and crucially documented in the literature to be so big about building the relationship uh, that drives outcomes that, uh, you know, this, this gives a, a really good piece of feedback for, for folks on the health of their team and the health of the organization as well. And again, if you're 20% below the population norms, don't spend a whole lot of time crying about it. What are the interventions that you're going to enact yep. to, to do? Well, why? You know, that's where a survey might, what, what are we seeing? What, what are some things we, we could do? Uh, you know, and, and really start to, to, to try things. And when you try things, unlike a survey that you got to wait six months, you should <laughs> see a gradual improvement in the average uh, organizational HRV score over time. Uh, so it gives you that quantitative feedback on how you're doing today, how are your uh, employee wellness, uh, productivity, whatever initiatives you're doing, really having the desired impact that you, you want them to have. So, you know, this is where I think it can be good. Also, you know, one of the things that I, I think we often get lost in too is what works for one team might not work for another team. And this is what this this also gives you, you, you might do a, I don't know, a exercise program for one. It may work great for one team, might not work so well for the other team. Maybe the team A is out of shape and the exercise program really helps them. Team B is just as miserable in their HRV score, but, but they're fairly athletic folks. So that intervention is not really improving their score over time. So you might want to do a different intervention for, for those folks as well. It doesn't mean the exercise thing is a bad thing for them, but you, it's not enough to get them to where you want them to be. So again, this just gives, you know, I've always wanted to know as a supervisor, especially in these high stress arena, how are my folks doing today? How's my team's doing today? How's the organization doing today? And HRV gives me the answer to that question. Uh, again, there's still a lot of other information I need to take in and consider, but boy, th this gives me some concrete feedback every day. And I, I'm all very clear in the book, at least I hope I'm very, very clear, is I never want an employee to be reprimanded, punished, whatever, for a low HRV score. That makes no sense. You lose all kinds of trust. People start putting their monitors on their kids and their spouses and their dogs. <laughs> exactly. Makes, that's, that's not, not the point. The point is to help. This However, and people may argue with me about this. I'm fine, uh, you know, using this as an outcome for a manager as one of their things that they get evaluated on. How is the health and wellness of the team? And I say that because we know mental, emotional, social, even medical health, when you think about from this perspective, because that's, uh, you know, time off, that's time not at the job, if you're cold, you're not as productive. This is all going to determine the success of the team and the organization. So yeah, if you see a supervisor who's got lower scores, gives you a piece of information. I would imagine if the literature all plays out, that that person's team probably in the medium to long term is probably getting not as good results, uh, probably yep. having more turnover. And so, you know, it can help you find weaknesses and maybe, you know, with a good organization, they can say this leader's struggling with their teams. What training can we give that manager to help them succeed? I don't think you should fire somebody right away because, you know, most people I've heard of HRV before, but what, what training can we do? Uh, to manage this? What interventions can we use with that, that manager as well? So again, hopefully points out some of those areas for improvement uh, with this. So uh, 
Yeah, I mean, this can really be, and, and this, I put my NBA hat on a little bit here so the nonprofit people can forgive me, but what a competitive advantage, you know, to, to know the wellness of your team, you know, to know the wellness of your, your workforce. Uh, one, it's going to save you money. And so whatever you're doing, it's good to have more money, um, you know, and again, if whether you're trying to provide life-saving medical care, uh, suicide prevention, or making widgets, uh, a healthy, engaged workforce is going to produce better outcomes. So this is, to me, the really exciting thing about this from that organizational perspective. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, I think it, it definitely, you know, we've come a long way since our first episode, um, <laughs> you know, from, a, from just contextually helping, hopefully helping people understand why, why this, this biometric is so important. You know, it, it it, it starts with fitness and, and sleep and, you know, we were talking about the impact of my family life has on my HRV to yes. start this. And now we're talking about how organizations can increase productivity and provide better outcomes and save lives, right? And so, yeah. Uh, yeah, the, the well, one of the cool thing about this, you bring up the family again, I've shared my passion of hoping to really get this integrated in the foster care system. But, you know, instead of a group, we call it the family system, right? So, yeah, that's right. Uh, you, you know, exactly. this is, where's the family score at today? You know, and yep. it gives again. Is I that think. why my three-year-old was throwing a tantrum today? Very <laughs> possibly. <laughs> could it have been predicted? <laughs> is there anything we could have done to change it? You never know. I have yet to see any biometric predicted three-year-old's behavior, but possibly, possibly. Right. It might be closer. It might help. Maybe I'm just grasping for straws, you know. <laughs> so what do you want to – so another great episode. What do you want to focus on uh, next week, Matt? So, so let's do tags next week. So there, there's a way to do this, and, and we'll, we'll show some examples. I've been working on some data for us for the, the next episode, but – you know, how certain behaviors influence HRV scores. So um, yeah. one of the functions most of the apps, including ours, has the ability to tag things. So um, I should have some good data. I thought I was going to throw it off. I was a little worried because I woke up I woke up in the 70s this morning, Jeff. I was like an all-star. And I was going to try to prove how my morning routine boosted by 20%. And I'm like, I'm not going to improve on a 70. Uh, let, let me just... Uh, uh, let, let me just review this for our audience here. Uh, my last score, uh, of course it's, oh, I'm on airplane mode, so I won't be able to show you. But I, I hit 102 this morning, Jeff. So uh, Wow, yeah. <laughs> that's impressive. For those at home, that's like a five-year-old's HRV score. So uh, not mental capacity, but, you know. <laughs> Debatable, but. <laughs> you lose this with age, and I'm getting aged, so. Uh, <laughs> So, you, so yeah, I, I've been working on some data to really show how like meditation, my morning, you know, my morning routine really, how that, how we can track how that improves HRV score. So, so I think I got a lot of good data to show and we'll, we'll kind of talk about how that can uh, inform us on a, on a lot of different things and help us track is, hey, what we're doing to improve our health, is it, is it really working? And so, yeah, and also tracking the impact of, of stress on the negative side of it too. So, uh, yeah, definitely join us. I think it, it, again, gets really practical around how to use HRV as a, a real tool to improve health and wellness. Perfect. Well, thanks again, everybody. Um, as always, we appreciate the feedback. Go to uh, optimalhrv.com if you're interested in learning more about what we're doing from an app perspective. Otherwise, we'll see everybody next week with uh, episode six. Have a good one, everybody. Thanks. Take care. 
Thank you for joining us for this episode. If you're interested in more information about HRV, please visit us at OptimalHRV.com. Also, if you visit OptimalHRV.com, you'll be able to sign up for our email list and download our free ebook, Healing with HRV. Thank you for joining us and we'll see you next episode.